Hello everybody and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. Conversations with creatives, entrepreneurs, thinkers and dreamers who also happen to be surfers. My name's Imi Barno and I am your host. I have a mantra that a friend of mine in Bali taught me. It goes like this. You know what you know, you know what you don't know, but you don't know what you don't know. Think about it. Today's mind-blowing conversation is a clear example of not knowing what I don't know. What I didn't know was that the University of the Sunshine Coast is such an awesome place to study for surfers. I mean, it should have been obvious, considering it's located on the Sunshine Coast of Australia, but this semester they've gone one step further and launched a Geography of Surfing elective for bachelor students. Dr Javier Leon joins me in today's episode. Javier is a USC professor who has a PhD in coastal geomorphology. His passion has always been the ocean and his research has led him to calculate and map out the formation of waves, the movement of sandbars and the impact of climate change on our coastlines. Javier Leon has coordinated this and has reunited the creme de la creme of Australian surfing legends to teach some of the subjects. In our conversation we find out what students learn how to sign up, and what guest star teachers they may have the privilege of meeting. I sometimes wish I was 20 again just to join this awesome course. It's believed that this is the only course of its kind in Australia and most probably in the world. The Geography of Surfing elective includes lessons on the history of surfing, how surfing participates in the economy, it's named surfonomics, the impact of surfing on environmental management and many other fascinating surf-related academic subjects. If there's anything to take from this episode, it's that academics and surfing go really well together, so go off and tell your parents. Dr Leon is a living, breathing example of it. I mean, think about it. You could be a doctor in surfing. People like Javier and his colleagues are breaking the beach bum stereotype. So I guess you could say it's about time. Javier shares his experience of the kind of research subjects that are intertwined with surfing and that will ultimately have an impact on jobs. So I'll let him do the talking. Please welcome Dr. Javier Leon. Dr. Leon, and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Simi. It's early in Australia, so yeah, just well, starting the day. Thank you for joining us at <laughs> such an unholy time of day. Um, <laughs> so, whereabouts in Australia are you? I'm on the Sunshine Coast, which is kind of like north of Brisbane, like an hour north of two, three hours north of the Gold Coast. Okay, fantastic. Do you think that you could introduce yourself to the listeners in a few words? Sure. My name is Javier Leon. Uh, I am from Peru originally. Moved to Australia probably 12 or 14 years. I, I came for my PhD many years ago and then yeah, just basically stayed. I've lived in Australia in, in different places. So I've been in Wollongong for a few years and then I moved to Brisbane and then I realized I had to be closer to Nusam, so we just moved up here and we've been living here since. Could you tell us about your course at the University of Sunshine Coast? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so this is mostly a field studies course. So we, we have these courses where, where we teach field skills to students. So I came up with the idea of teaching them everything around surfing. Uh, because, I mean, uh, what, what I do, my, my research background is on this thing called coastal geomorphology. So geomorphology is the study of the landscapes, basically. And what I do is I study coastal landscapes. So um, the main landscapes I study are sandy beaches and coral reefs. Those are the two things I, uh, and that's not no coincidence. Like <laughs> I do both of them because both of them have waves. So <laughs> I, I kind of like, love looking and i've always um loved looking at waves and how they interact with the land so so that's what i what i do that's my research um uh, focus um but surfing is a massive component of that and and i i do 
do teach other courses at Union. One of them is coastal geomorphology. So, so we do a lot of coastal erosion and coastal management and all of those things. So I noted that many of my students surf. Like probably 50% of my students the last five years, they, they surf. And, and we surf. We surf together. So a lot of my, that course um, had um, wave or surfing related topics. So I was like, I, I, I kind of, I can kind of like felt the interest on the topic. So, so we just designed this course particularly for surfing, but of course surfing is, is massive. Like there's so much to surfing. So I kind of like started covering uh, other topics around surfing and not just kind of like measuring waves and measuring the beach, but also things like um, looking at the dynamics on the lineup. So the people. And, mm. and and the social dynamics, which is fascinating. So we are going to look at that. Uh, but of course, uh, looking at the e- econ- like economic impl- implications of surfing, because I mean, around the, the the Sunshine Coast, surfing is massive, directly and indirectly. There's no one that have um, studied this directly. Right. So it's a it's a great opportunity to kind of like put our uh, our students out there. Um, and also give back to the community. So a lot of this of the course also um, is about t- telling the community or putting numbers into surfing because numbers are, are a nice way to talk with other people. So everyone understands numbers. Mm-hmm. So one of the aims of the course is actually putting numbers around surfing uh, in the Sunshine Coast. So so we are looking at you know numbers like waves, like um, but also um, money around waves and people around waves and, and all of those things so so that's kind of like the course on a natural of course we also cover things like um history of surfing which i think uh the sunshine coast also plays a, a, a an important role on the on the modern surfing uh history uh, and definitely we need to look at sustainability so we need to look into a future so we will be looking at sustainability um, and also a future of surfing because we are at this point right now where surfing is evolving into this um, very different thing. I, I think it's a it's an amazing point in time. Like um, you know, like we're looking at um, the Olympics coming very soon and surfing being in in them, uh, but also wavefuls, which mm-hmm. are just fascinating. I, personally, I don't like them, but <laughs> I think they are fascinating, and I think they will um, have a huge impact on surfing culture as we know it so so yeah so the course is also looking at that i i have um i'm very lucky because i'm surrounded by by amazing people so <clears throat> my course is also kind of like uh co-taught or, or it's going to be kind of like co-delivered with amazing people like so i have for example tom wagner which wow. is this um amazing shaper uh he's on the forefront of of sustainability and he just got a phd degree on sustainability of surfing so he will be delivering these courses he will be taking students to his workshop and showing them you know how to teach surfboards with cork and wood and all of these things so i have him i have phil jarrod which is you know this icon in in surfing history so he will be talking to my students about not only history because uh, but also um his role or, or surfing and business because i mean he's he's played a, a few um Pivotal roles on 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 the whole kind of like business, you know. He he's used in to be the marketing director of Quicksilver, marketing and then director he... for Quicksilver, and all of these things. So it's you know it's coming from his words, which are I mean like this is these are things that I don't know, and and I am probably as excited or more excited <laughs> than students <laughs> sitting on those lectures. So so yeah, I think I mean I'm I'm very very excited. And about how, how did you convince these these? Um, legends to come and join you to, in, in the course. Uh, I I guess I mean I, I met Tom um, when he was finishing his PhD. So he was doing his PhD at at uh, Sunshine Coast Uni. So I met him there. Of course, like you know, when I found out that he was at uni, I was like, Tom, I need to be uh, your friend because I mean, like this is just an amazing opportunity. So we've been talking about this course for a long time now, three years or so. And right. how to do it, um, and so yeah, and then Phil, um, we I, I I'm also working with the uh, Nusa World Surfing Reserve, um, so that's how kind of like yeah I kind of like convinced Phil to come and and do because I mean it also fits back into the, the World Surfing Reserve organization, so a lot of the things we're going to do are going to go, are going to directly go back to 
um, the uh, that organization, and also the NUSA um, Surfing Festival. So a lot of the students doing the course are also going to be volunteers at the, uh, the festival. Yeah, so they're going to be volunteers uh, and they're going to run the sustainability aspect of the festival. So it's kind of like cool... sort of coming together and nice and connected. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. And so um, if you were to describe the kind of common pattern of what happens to a surf spot once it gets discovered and the media sort of finds out about it, is there a common pattern that happens? Oh, yes, it's amazing. I mean, like I've seen it uh, everywhere. I've seen it back in Peru. I've seen it on, on many places. I've seen it on the Pacific Islands and I've seen it uh, here in Australia. And uh, I was, we were talking uh, and they're actually studying um, gentrification around surfing spots. And what they are finding is that definitely the big surfing spots, um, so call it kind of like um, the Gold Coast or Nusa or, you know, uh, they definitely have a sequence uh, of gentrification and you can go around you know j bay and then um california so many spots uh up the coast i mean probably the whole of california is mm -hmm. you know gentrified around surfing i mean santa cruz like places that you know um that weren't supposed to kind of like they were supposed to be something else yeah. they suddenly you know a, a wave is discovered and suddenly this becomes a massive kind of like tourist spot or a or a very sought after um place um so in peru there's a few examples as well so yeah um i also was talking with a colleague and, and he's looking at that through remote sensing so this is this is just um one of these far out research projects where this guy is trying to look at develop economic development around surfing spots uh looking at images of light right so of, uh so mm -hmm. night images kind of like you know, the more light the more development so and he he found that yeah many places around the world uh follow this trend as soon as a wave is discovered it goes through this initial kind of like discovery process uh, or stage and then eventually it becomes kind of like um very popular and gentrified and then you know very kind of like high profile type of place so yeah i mean the the impacts um surfing have um has on the economy are just incredible yeah, i mean like I've, I've seen, they're huge i mean look at bali you know uh, yeah non, the, the impacts are huge but not necessarily positive unfortunately yeah, not yeah. always so so what goes with the the gentrification is obviously um, the fact that the coasts uh, eroded faster, or does is there a, is there a correlation between the erosion of the coastline and the building up? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like as soon as um, people start um, developing the the spot, then they will try to hold the line. So basically, mm -hmm. they want to hold the position of the beach. Um, mm -hmm. Because you know they want the views and they want the easy access and all of these things, uh, and of course that um, kind of like sometimes or, or most of the times really um, resolve into this coastal squeeze where kind of like the beach wants to do what the beach does, which is move around, yes. but it's not allowed to. So, you know, um, Nusa is a great example of it. I mean, like I, I'm just fascinated by, by, by the Nusa example because um, so, you know, Nusa kind of like started back in the probably 30s, 40s maybe, um, you, with a little development and stuff and tourism and stuff. Um, but as it grew, it experienced. So Nusa has very small waves um, during the year. So mm -hmm. during the, the big, like kind of like winter energetic year, uh, the Nusa headland protects this little bay, Laguna Bay, from all of that energy. So it's only when we get like easterlies and nor'easterlies that the, the real waves come in. Um, and cyclones are the ones that bring those waves. So as soon as we have a cyclone, hopefully next week we're getting the first one. <laughs> uh, surfers are very happy. People on the beach are not quite because a lot of sand moves and there's a lot of erosion. So um, back in the 40s, the uh, Nusa was exposed to a few cyclones, as it does, as it's always done. Um, but of course, the erosion kind of like threatened the, the beach, the sandy beach, which is, you know, beautiful. And also uh, the street where all these businesses were. So they tried to fix that by putting a seawall. <laughs> but of course, the seawall um, kind of like made it worse, right? So once they saw it was becoming worse, they put a groin. And the point of those, um, those groins are to catch all the sediment moving mm -hmm. and build up. Okay, so they try to kind of like uh, stabilize. There's a river mouth, 
so they tried to kind of like keep it still mm -hmm. but that increased erosion so then they had to build you know and that's how it goes it's just yeah. you put one thing and then you need to keep going forever uh, that's the interesting part because of course fast forward 50 years and Nusa now is like you know there's a lot of people every day and it's every square meter of beach um, has a lot of economic value basically like pe people come for the beach right so now what happens is that you have all of these uh, structures on place but it's not enough so the the real issue is that there's no sand right like all this mm -hmm. sand is moving and being lost so they need to kind of like pump out sand from one end of the beach pipe it around and throw it back right which is fine and it's been working um and it's not that expensive you know if you put it on perspective i mean like the amount of money that tourism brings it's not that bad but um but of course this sand um, kind of like there's less and less with time because okay. the recycling is not perfect there's yeah. a lot of loss um and adding the whole climate change factor right so sea levels are rising we're getting uh, stronger um uh, cyclones were getting less uh, drift from the from the south so that results on that every year it becomes worse and worse but at the same time we have more and more people and more mm. and more pressure so so there's going to be a point very soon in time where uh, the the council which are you know the, the guys in charge of 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 protecting the coast basically um, are going to be having to look at options uh, beyond um, what they're doing, which basically translates into very expensive options. Mm -hmm. So they need to bring sand from somewhere else, right? So at what stage, and this is what, you know, I question all the time, it's like at what stage it's going to become too expensive? Mm -hmm. At what stage they're going to shut the door and go like, sorry, that's it, you know? Now yeah. we need to just leave doing what it does. So, so yeah, I mean, like that's that's a type of, of, of question I, I kind of like, research uh, and just fascinates me and, and of course surfing has a lot to do with it because um on the same token surf quality is very important so people come because the wave is amazing mm -hmm. so if that that wave quality uh changes how is that going to affect and is there something um you can manage so you know you can put sand because and actually they do like uh when the nusa surfing festival runs uh, and there's a few times where they put sand on the lineup just oh to God. get the wave on. Yeah. yeah, so at what stage, you know, um, kind of like direct um, uh, uh, management is going to be useful or not. So, you know, all of those questions are, are there. That's I mean, those are the ones. That's really amazing. Yeah. And, um, and so do you work on the pro projections of what that would cost and when it's going to be too expensive and the return on investment is not going to be worth it? Yeah, definitely. So that's that's what we're focusing on now. It's looking, but of course, it, you know, I'm not going to have answers tomorrow. So it's a very complex question. So first, we need to understand what's happening now, you know, and and we don't even know that. Like, council doesn't even know when to put sand, how much sand to put out. Like, it's just kind of like an ad hoc type of activity. So, so the first thing we need to do is actually uh, find out what's happening now. And then we can run models into the future and go like, well, so we don't we don't even know how much money that surfing bringing, you know. So all of these questions are like the, the course is about that. And so, answering those. so your students are going to help you find those answers um, as they go along. And so is the course um, limited in time? Like, are you once you found the answers, that's going to end the course or do you is it an ongoing project um, that you're going to uh, do every semester? Yeah. Yeah, no, research is an ongoing project, like never ends. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that, the course, it's, it's ongoing as well. So the way I think about it is that uh, we start now collecting data and then that keeps going. So even when the course is not being delivered, I'm going to um, give, so we have these kind of like uh, equipment, right? So we have like these GPS watches. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give those to community to the community so they can keep collecting data throughout the year um yeah and then because the more data the better the i mean that's something we researchers love <laughs> and it's like yeah so uh yeah no but even even if we do get the answers um 
yeah, that course keeps going because the course still focuses on those skills, like transferring those skills to students. So, you know, we'll still teach students about history and about um, kind of like collecting data and measuring and all of those things. So, yeah, no, the course hopefully keeps going forever. That's great. <laughs> and so, so is the course part of a degree? Like, is it an option in a degree or is it a course in itself? No, it's it's part, it's an elective. <laughs> so it's mostly designed for um, environmental science and environmental management students. But I'm getting enrollments across all uni. So I'm getting enrollments from people from business and people from uh, design and people from uh, tourism and people from planning. So and even people from health sciences. Um, really? Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Which is something I, I actually consider because, I mean, there's a lot of um, research going on at our university around um, surfing from a health science perspective. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, which is super interesting. I mean, and, and we have a, a high performance um, program at our university. So so they look at movement. So this guy is doing his PhD on um, what makes a good cutback, yeah. a good cutback, right? <laughs> so fantastic. he cooks up with sensors and then just kind of like, you know, films and collects all of these data, accelerometers and stuff. And then um, he relates those numbers to what a good cutback looks like or is, uh, you know, so brings in judges, like, you know, oh, professional judges, surfing judges, and judges will go like, yep, that's an excellent cutback. And then he goes back to his data. He goes, so, but it's amazing because then they can kind of like customize um, training programs for different people, mm-hmm. for different body uh, shapes yeah. and sizes to optimize those type of things. So if you think about competitive surfing, if you think about the Olympics, this is just groundbreaking mm-hmm. research. I, I find it fascinating. Yeah, because one of the things is that I think up until this stage, training is very general. So, you know, you see people like Brazilians, you know, like short and compact Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, like a very long and thin type of body type. And and all of the training tends to be similar. So, so, you know, but customizing based on the actual kind of like um, body dynamics. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's the future in in terms of, of, of. that aspect right like yeah so that's so impressive and uh, compelling (laughs) so that's amazing and so to join the course do you have to be good at science no um i've i've designed a course to be kind of like you can come from anywhere and have you know zero experience and and actually even if you're not a surfer Mm -hmm. um I think, and I think actually non-surfers will benefit the most because they will be learning the most as well. So, um, so yeah, no, you, I mean, like we, we're going step by step, even mm-hmm. though it's an advanced kind of like third year course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm catering for all types of students. So, so yeah, this is a step by step kind of like right. course. So yeah, no, no background necessary really. Okay. And so, so is it a part of a bachelor's course or is it a, a is yeah. it a higher level course yeah. elective? No, this is part of a, a bachelor's. Yeah, so we, we have a bachelor's in environmental science and bachelor's in environmental management. And, and of course, sits sits there, basically, uh, under that. I mean, of course, of course, the plans are to make this a standalone course or even a program, you know, like mm-hmm. I would love to see uni offering this program, like a bachelor's in surfing, surfing. studies or something <laughs> like that. Uh, other universities do it so why not you know like yeah, um yeah. yeah so is it open to overseas students or is it just australians yeah actually i one of the students is an overseas one so mm-hmm. yeah basically um yeah at this stage um anyone enrolled in university can can enroll in a course um okay. yeah just needs my, my permission basically to open so <laughs> yeah i have a quick assessment and go like yep yeah. <laughs> and, and what kind of a gpa average do you have to have to get in no, like um, there's no uh, requirement in terms of, of GPA. So, yeah, anyone can just jump into into a course. So, yeah, and just do it as long as, you know, they, they are kind of like second to third year, kind mm-hmm. of like final year courses, uh, yeah. final year students. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking for the most. So, um, yeah, especially because what I really want is um, get students just teased with this and then, you know, 
pull them into kind of like postgrad studies and and people speak because you need to spend more time like if you really want to research these topics you need to spend you know a lot this is only an eight intensive course so so we will be lucky if we actually get one or two decent swells mm. you know <laughs> but ideally ideally we we want to be doing this for one so i have actually a phd student so three years and he's looking at sand moving around nusa um he'll be you know he's doing this for three years so that's kind of like a a better time timeline for for this, this type of things yeah Especially if we want to look into our future and stuff, yeah. That's that's amazing. Okay, so moving on in the interview um, to your surfing experience, where did you learn to surf? Um, yeah, I've been thinking about that I, in Peru, but mm-hmm. I've been thinking about kind of like when did I start it? Um, and I think um, so. I have this early, yeah, early kind of like may, maybe around the beach breaks definitely on the beach breaks south of lima is best suited mm-hmm. for uh, but yeah i i started as, as a bodyboarder um back in lima many many years ago mm-hmm. so what did you feel when you caught your first wave oh um t- i was terrified um <laughs> yeah i remember i i have this early kind of like you know remembering yeah being terrified like we we would just paddle out on this like you know kind of like very open beaches and it was basically a one massive closeout and so it, you know <laughs> I remember like struggling just to go just to get out like it was like a mission just to kind of like paddle out and once you were out there um and these sets came it was terrifying because you know these are like heavy shallow beach breaks so <laughs> yeah um but I guess on that um fear i i found uh that um love as well for surfing like it, it kind of like it, it wasn't a nice you know i see kids nowadays when i go surfing here at nusa and it's like warm and the water is just crystal clear mm-hmm. and it's beautiful and everyone's super friendly and this is like paradise right <laughs> um it's awesome but then i remember my upbringing in surfing and, and it wasn't like that and but i still found that high i guess respect for for the surfing and the ocean and and i think that's what i feel in love the most mm-hmm. with like that respect is like it can be so punishing but also so satisfying and so good that you know i just went back for more and more um yeah and i eventually you know once kind of like you realize it's not that bad to wipe out um then you go like okay it's definitely <laughs> worth so yeah it's funny because i see it on my son now mm-hmm. like he's kind of like um or he he went through this stage he's only four but he he went for, for this stage that he was terrified of wipeouts you know like and as you do you know but now he's kind of like enjoying it enjoying them more and yeah. i'm like okay you you've gone through that first stage that's ready great to like, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly so, so yeah. did did surfing have something to do with you becoming a professor in physical geography? Is that part of <laughs> <For> your <sure. laughs> career Definitely. choice? Yeah, yeah, positive. Like that. That was it. I mean, like, um, I remember, you know, sitting. I, I was really good at school, and and I kind of like loved both sciences and and the arts and and literature and all of them. So, you know, like I I, I was lucky to kind of like be able to choose what I wanted, basically. I wasn't kind of like, you know, um, constrained on that respect that much. But I remember just sitting surfing going like, what can I do that, you know, will just maximize my time here doing this <laughs> forever? And and one, and I, I was going through university curriculums and stuff, and I, I saw this one, which was a geography degree, and it had... Um, Two courses, so it had oceanography and coastal geomorphology, which I didn't, under, you know, I didn't know what coastal geomorphology was, but it had coastal, you know, <laughs> and, and and I read the little kind of like description, and it said something about beaches and waves and stuff, and I'm like, yep, that's it, that's what I need to do. So, so I just went there blind. Yeah, yeah. People were not. Yeah. It's a, it's a good kind of degree to choose if you want to be a surfer and and uh, and enjoy the waves. As much as possible. Yeah, I guess. So. I mean, like, I, eventually, I, I found out that it wasn't because, um, you know, geography is a, is a, is one of these sciences which are very broad, right? So geography is basically the study of space, 
So it's kind of everything has a di spatial dimension to it. it. You know, anything you study has a spatial dimension. It's like studying history. You know, it's mm -hmm. a there's a temporal dimension to everything. So it's very broad and um, and it kind of like there's always been these issues between kind of like what is geography and what does it cover and stuff. So um, that, that geography I, I did as an undergrad was a very um, human kind of like even more of a planning uh, type of geography. It, it wasn't a physical geography. Mm -hmm. So even though I took those two courses and, and uh, the coastal ge geomorphology one was amazing. The oceanography wasn't because, it, it, you know, it wasn't about waves and stuff. It was more about um, kind of like satellites that measure um, oceanographic processes and stuff. So it wasn't like what I want. It wasn't like near shore oceanography. Mm -hmm. It was like deep water oceanography, which is also fun, but, you know, it wasn't what I was looking for. So out of like, and, and back in Peru, um, degrees go for five years, okay. right? So... I did a lot of years of things that I really didn't like. Um, or actually, I, I did like them, but it wasn't what I was looking for. So, you know, when I finished my, my degree, I was like, this wasn't it. This is not what I really wanted. This is not what's going to bring me to the ocean, you know. So that's when I decided to do a master's. And I went to New Zealand to do a master's in geography. And, and I eventually, you know, I focused that as like in... Um, coastal type of coastal geography type of master's degree so um, that's where I really started doing what I do now and what mm -hmm. I wanted to do which was look at the beach so my thesis consisted on sitting for three months looking at the beach and that's wow. exactly what I wanted like so I was just looking at the beach and the waves and and that was amazing and that was this like kind of like revelation where I was like yes it exists you know you can do this like there, there, there is there was a, a little, you know, somewhere in science where that, that was what I imagined, my, filled my expectations. So I loved it. And I just, yeah, I just got hooked to it. Um, and after my master's, I just couldn't go back to any anywhere else that wasn't research. Like um, I tried. I worked um, as an environmental consultant for for a year or so back in Peru, mm -hmm. which was amazing. We, you know, it was really good. And I felt like kind of like I was Doing an, making an impact in environment, in environment and all of those things, but it wasn't really feeling, you know, this curiosity that um, we have as researchers. I mean, like, you know, I was still wondering why the beach was moving to one side or the other, you know, those things. Like all every time, like every time I go surfing, I just sit there and, you know, I'm going like, you know, I'm just going like, well, what's going on here? So, so um, you can, today you can actually modelise um, what the wave is going to be like, where the sandbars are and, and where they're moving to and um, when they're coming back. You can modelise that with yeah. your research. Better and better. Fantastic. It's becoming better and better. We're still kind of like, you know, the, the longer you want to go into a future, the, the worse it gets. Uh, or the the larger the area, the worse it gets. But for small areas, for short periods of time, yes, we we are getting really good at it. So yeah, better and better, that's definitely. Um, yeah, and that's what I do as in my day to day research now. So and I just love it. <laughs> and how do you fit surfing into your daily schedule? I wake up at four in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean like I um. Living in Nusa, Nusa is a very crowded place. When when it's on, you get I've counted three hundred people in the water. Like I've I've been out on some days where um uh, I was paddling kind of like elbow to elbow no. with people, like literally <gasps> like touching elbows. Yeah. Wow. Um. Fortunately, people are good. Like you know, when it get good, when it gets good, um, you kind of like filters out uh, most of the beginners and stuff and so it's not as dangerous as other places um like uh, byron bay for example is a hazard mm. i don't even surf byron anymore mm. um yeah well nusa is kind of like still better in that sense but it's very crowded so the only way of surf oh first getting a, a parking spot <laughs> you know and then getting waves is being there very early so i'm I, i've been used now to surf at night like basically yeah. i would be you know three four in the morning and out there but the funny thing is that i'm not even the first one out wow like Seriously? it's already it's always people always like sometimes it's like just it just blows my mind it's like you know you can go at midnight 
and there's someone surfing. It's crazy. Um, yeah. So I, I've surfed uh, at night a lot uh, lately. Uh, yeah. Uh, which I also love. Yeah, because I was talking to a, a surfer who surfs in the North Sea um, near England, and he said he was saying how dangerous it is to surf at night because you know if something happens to you, you can't find you until the next day. But how? What's yeah. your feeling about surfing at night? Oh, I mean, um, apart from the sharks, the mm -hmm. shark factor, mm -hmm. uh, everything is very easy because um, the break is really close to the road and houses and people there's lights you know there's this little uh street with lights and stuff so in that sense it's very safe it's only when i serve the other points around the headland where you have to actually walk a little bit that you know sometimes actually i've i've been there so early that i i, I had to wait kind of like really? to see people around yeah because that that can be a little more scary uh because there's rocks and you know like um yeah but it, it's it's such a perfect uh, wave, like a perfect lineup. Like, you know, you can tell what the wave is doing and you can feel exactly how the wave is kind of like lining up. So yeah, in, in that sense, it's it's very nice. I mean, like once you get a wave, you know it's going to go for ages. It's mm -hmm. so long and perfect. Uh, but definitely the, the shark factor is an issue because yeah, I mean, there's a lot of um, of fish around and, and definitely a lot of sharks around. And I, I know that because uh, my colleagues work on that. So <laughs> they, they put these GoPros with bait to look at fishes on the, in the surf zone and I've seen the footage. So I know, the, and, and I, a lot of my research also involves flying drones. So I do a lot of um, mapping with drones. That's one of the, cor the other courses I, I teach at uni. Um, and when you put that drone up there, you can see them, you yeah. can see the sharks. And you can see a people surfing and they are just, they don't have a, a clue. They don't, they don't know. Um, yeah. So kind of like make, you know, makes me, f it's, it's a mixed feeling because I know they're there and I know they don't attack. So yeah, there's only been one attack in Nusa. And this was like back in the early, early days, I think um, maybe 40 years ago or 30 years ago, there was one attack and that's it. Uh, and then, you know, you have 300 people surfing every day, you know, for years, for 30 years and one attack, it's, it's a very low it's chance. Low so, statistic. yeah, but it's all, always on your mind. Mm. It has to be because, yeah. you know, you are going out there, you are going into their territory, their realm. So you have to be, you, you have to deal with that. So, yeah. Um, but the wave is nice. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, worth, it's worth it. <laughs> yeah okay well we're almost getting to the end of the interview um and i wondered if you could finish some phrases for me i have a four phrases uh, so i start it and you finish it uh the first is i love the ocean just love it it's it's my life so that's fantastic that i miss i miss hmm that's a funny one. Um, mm, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, maybe um, surfing without crowds. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe I miss a little bit that sometimes. Yeah. Although I'm I'm very much used to surf with, surfing with crowds nowadays. But yeah, may, maybe I, I I miss that remoteness. Mm -hmm. Um of some places I've been before and uh, yeah and now it's harder to get to so um yeah may, may, maybe I miss that um yeah that that feeling of you rocking up to a beach and there's no one there and you know it's kind of like your beach and stuff yeah <laughs> and I wish mm, I wish people become more aware of what's going on um in the world basically in terms of environmental issues and and that stuff because um i i i've been very lucky in in my life like i i've i've gone to you know like one of the the, the best things about my career is that um geography is all about exploration right so i i've been very lucky to kind of like travel around a lot i've been everywhere i've been in you know i i, I keep kind of like the one thing I, I i'm really proud of is that i've visited every like every continent in the mm -hmm. planet you know i've been in antarctica when i was 20 years old and i've been you know asia and africa and i i work at the pacific islands and all of these things so um 
I've been very lucky. I've seen amazing places and uh, I've met amazing people. Um, and I really wish um, my my sons, um, they, they are like, you know, one of them is like nine weeks and the other one is four years. So, and I really wish they experience the same or better. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way things are going, um, I highly doubt they will do that. You know, mm-hmm. they, they will experience amazing things. I, I'm sure of that, but not uh, the way I've seen it. And and when I kind of like talk to the older generations, you know, like um, last year I was out on the Great Barrier Reef with these like legends of the reef, you know, people that are 70, 75 and are still diving, right? Like they've had these amazing careers and and you can tell, you know, you can see on their eyes that they have this... Um, almost nostalgic view of things how things were and and i see them you know i was diving there and i'm seeing these amazing things and they see just uh degradation you know they see destruction and um and maybe you know the future generations are going to you know go out to the beach and look at this beach full of like kind of like sea walls and rocks and and stuff and you know um no sand um and they will go like oh this is amazing you know like the wave is amazing and whatever and it's like they're wearing these like anti whatever suits so pollution doesn't matter and you know um and they might experience that as amazing right but i really wish they kind of like see the world in its more natural not not pristine because pristine doesn't exist but at least more natural um ways you know like like the national reserves are today, you know, like where it's not a, a pristine environment, but at least it's a, a very natural environment. Mm-hmm. So I, I really wish people kind of like, um, you know, the current generation and the coming generations, they they become more aware uh, of the beauty of that. Uh, and they try and, and, and preserve that into the future more than we are doing yeah. at the moment. So yeah, yeah. that's that's kind of like what I wish. <laughs> and the last one is I want. I want. I guess it, it yeah, want and wish is the are same. very, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. very similar. So, yeah, uh, and uh, that's that's really what I want. And that's really, you know, what what I do, like what I try and do with with my research and, and stuff is just kind of like, you know, try and, and show the rest um, about these amazing things and places and stuff and and what's the best way to kind of like deal with with those for for you know so like future generations kind of like also enjoy it I mean like I've enjoyed so much the ocean that the only thing I want is kind of like give back that feeling to to others in the future you know it's like yeah it's it's been such a good journey so yeah hopefully um, yeah more and more people. Uh, into a future can can experience that as well. So that's definitely what I want. Great, that's fun. that's a lovely answer. And um, so, where do you see the future of the Australian tourist industry um, and surfing industry? Yeah, um, I think uh, I, I I hope I'm seeing a, a brighter uh, future. I mean, like after kind of like looking at the Bali experience, for for example, like I, I really hope we've learned a lot from that. And um, and I think it's one of the things I kind of like struggled when I first arrived to Australia was the um, the amount of regulations, especially coming from Peru, right? Like, I mean, in Peru, there's no regulations, right? Like if you wanted to camp on the beach, you mm-hmm. could. Mm-hmm. Um, here in Australia, there's like, three places you can do that and they're packed and you know like uh and you have to pay a lot of money for it and and all of these things but you know with the years i I kind of like i understand that now Mm -hmm. um and i see that that regulation is very beneficial because it allows for a more control you know um, a smaller impact so so it expands that into the future so i i think that those type of regulations are really helpful. So I, I, I really think that that's going to um, kind of like increase in the future, mm-hmm. uh, but it's going to be a good thing. So even that surfing, I mean, like I'm starting to think that eventually surfing is going to get regulated. Um, mm-hmm. Not maybe not necessarily, may, maybe not directly, uh, you know, but uh, maybe indirectly through things like parking. I mean, like just now, just a few months ago, um, Nusa, again going back to Nusa, um, the the parking 
uh, lot at uh, the, the national park where you park and go surfing. Uh, they just changed that to a four hours limit parking. Okay. Right. And uh, and that's uh, that's actually regulating uh, the crowds. Yeah. Because now people cannot just go there, park, and spend their whole day. Uh, now there have to be this rotation. So at least now there's a rotation. Um, so maybe in the future we'll see things like that. And Byron Bay, for example, they they will charge for their parking, right? So that in a sense regulates um, the crowds as well. So I I think that's where the future is heading. It's mm -hmm. that regulation through. You know. Yeah, that's really interesting. So um, we've just about finished. Um, I wondered if we could just recap how to get in touch with the university and um, in get, and getting in touch with you. Email is the best way to get in touch with me. Um, my email is jleon at usc.edu.au. Um, when when I was kind of like when I started my career, um, uh, internet came in like. You know, I'm, I'm that old. So like <laughs> kind of like internet was this new thing. And one of the things I learned to do was to write emails to everyone. Right. Like I was writing emails. So I was reading a book, this like famous researcher. And then I was like finding an email and writing to him or her. Right. Um, and I learned um, that most people, most of these, you know, very high profile researchers would actually reply and answer. Wow. And, and very quick. Yeah. And I remember my supervisor going like, so I told him, you know, like, oh, yeah, I just wrote to this guy asking him about this question. Right. And he's like, are you nuts? Like, this is, you know, you know who that guy is. And I'm like, you know, um, but the funny thing was that that guy kind of like replied to me and, and still does. Right. So so I, I learned that. And now I'm um, trying to emulate that. And so email I'm, I'm um, kind of like a email junkie, so I reply to emails. Okay. E even junk email, I will reply <laughs> to. So email is always a business. Okay, that's fantastic. So the future plans of um, of the course, have you got upcoming events or open days or things like that? Yes, we, we will have uh, an open event at the end of the course. Uh, which is going to run in conjunction with the NUSA Festival of Surfing. So um, on that event, which is still on, we're still planning, but basically um, students will be um, kind of like talking about their their uh, findings and we'll have like music and videos and stuff. So should be a, a, a good fun e event um, and hopefully it would spark also a little bit, or, or it will give us a, a little bit more of traction when when people realize that you know these things we are finding mm. are really useful. So mm. yeah, yeah, that's that's the whole point of that that event. So yeah, and then of course, uh, so. so next Noosa Festival uh, of Surfing will be you'll be you'll be there, and the second one you said. So during the, the the festival we will be running this uh, sustainability type of there's a there's a mix of events so we will be uh, having a um, sustainability event for little kids and then for older kids and and then for older uh, people so as well so looking at you know why surfing is so good around Nusa and like um, you know um, threats and the importance of sand and all of those things. Um, yeah, so we will be doing that um, throughout the festival as well. Fantastic. So when when is the Nusa festival? Uh, March. So it I think it starts the seventh of March this year. Yeah, it runs for eight days. Okay, that's fantastic. I guess we're wrapping up. How do you feel? Oh, great. I mean, like, it's it's always um, good to chat about surfing. I can go on for hours and hours. <laughs> oh, so good, I. <laughs> okay, well, thank you ever so much, um, Professor, uh, for joining us on the show. Thank, thank you for um, creating this space. I, I find it amazing. I mean, like, it's it's great, um, you know, like, um, connecting people with, with the same interest coming from different backgrounds and stuff. So I think it's great. And, and thanks for the um, opportunity. It's, it's always my, my pleasure.
that was a fascinating talk and I hope that it either encouraged you or your kids to think about going to this awesome university. For the students out there, there isn't a minimum GPA required, so just contact Dr Leon or the university via email for the admission procedures. Alternatively, you can go and meet him at the next Noosa Surfing Festival in March. To take this episode a step further, the books, links, teach profiles and references can be found in the show notes of this episode. You can either find them on your podcast device, on medium.com, or on my website, theoceanriderspodcast.com. To connect with Dr. Javier Leon, his email is jleon, all in one word, j-l-e-o-n, at usc.edu.au. I would like to give a massive thank you to Javier for getting up in the morning and to be on my podcast. But he was up at 4.30am to be in front of his computer and Mr. Dorney at Noosa, of all places, for the show. Thank you ever so much once again. The Ocean Riders podcast is a non-profit operation and as such I would like to thank you ever so much for being more and more listeners every week. You guys rock. If you enjoy listening, please rate or review the podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. The more reviews and rates I get, the closer I am to getting to the new and noteworthy section. And if that happens, these amazing stories can be spread even more. If you want to get in touch with me, there are loads of ways. Um, emails, for starters, hello at theoceanriderspodcast.com. You can connect with me via my website, theoceanriderspodcast.com. I've got an Instagram account, at the Ocean Riders Podcast, a Facebook page, a Twitter account, and an account on medium.com. All these links will be included in the show notes. You can also connect with me and other listeners on my Facebook group called The Ocean Riders Community. I post surf-related job offers, so if you're looking for a job near a surf spot or for a surf brand, you may find your dream job there. Likewise, if you're hiring, please feel free to share your post on the group too. The more, the merrier. That said, I would like to thank you for listening, and until next week, take care, have fun, and enjoy the waves. Ciao!